Welcome to the Lexington Public Library's Tales from the Kentucky Room podcast, where we discuss everything Lexington and Fayette County history. I'm Miriam, and in each episode of this podcast, we will feature a guest that will share a piece of local history. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. This is Brenna Pye. Dr. Mary Ellen Britton was a Lexington pioneer and a woman before her time. A passionate advocate for civil and women's rights, she used her time and talents to uplift Lexington's African-American community. As a teacher, a journalist, an activist, a suffragist, and a doctor, Mary Ellen Britton was a distinguished Lexingtonian who made significant contributions to the town. In April of 1855, Franklin Pierce was the President of the United States, Lazarus W. Powell was the Governor of Kentucky, and Mary E. Britton was born in Lexington. Mary E. Britton, the E, depending on the source used, stands for Ellen or Eleanor or Elizabeth, although her tombstone reads Mary Ellen Britton, was the third child born to Henry Harrison Britton and Laura Marshall Britton. Henry was a free man of color who earned a living as a carpenter and a barber. His wife, Laura, the daughter of Kentucky politician and lawyer Thomas F. Marshall, was a mixed-race woman born into slavery in Lexington and freed at the age of 16. Mary was born at her family home on Mill Street between 2nd and 3rd Streets in downtown Lexington in the area now known as Gratz Park. Although Laura Britton had been enslaved in her youth, her position as the daughter of a wealthy white Kentuckian provided her with the opportunity for a classical education. Her love of learning, coupled with she and Henry's status as free people of color during slavery, allowed for the Britton children to be well-educated. Laura and Henry eventually had 10 children, and while living in Lexington, Mary and her siblings attended private schools run by the American Missionary Association a Christian organization dedicated to educating African Americans, abolishing slavery, and promoting racial equality. The American Missionary Association played a significant role in Mary Britton's life. By 1870, the Britton family had moved to Berea, Kentucky, in part to enable Mary and her older sister Julia the opportunity to attend the American Missionary Association-founded Berea College. Julia Britton started at Berea College in 1870, and Mary followed her in 1871. The Britton sisters were two of the first African-American people to attend and graduate from the school. To fund their studies, Laura Britton became a matron at the school, a position akin to the Dean of Women, and Julia took a position as a music instructor. Julia Britton was the first African-American teacher at Berea College. While at Berea, Mary studied education in preparation to teach, which was one of the only professions open to women at that time. Sadly, tragedy struck the Britton family in 1874 when both Henry and Laura died only four months apart. While Julia was able to graduate from Berea, due to a lack of financial support, Mary was forced to leave school before graduating. Despite the fact that Mary Britton left Berea College just shy of graduation, she was able to obtain teaching positions and became an early and active member of the State Association of Colored Teachers. This professional association was formed in 1877 and changed its name to the Kentucky Negro Educational Association in 1913. 
The KNEA was then incorporated into the Kentucky Education Association in 1956, which had formerly been an all-white professional organization. After Mary left Berea in 1874, she acquired a teaching position in Childsburg, Kentucky, and eventually began working in the colored school system in Lexington. Childsburg is currently a residential subdivision in Lexington, located near Hamburg. During Mary Britton's time, however, it was a part of Fayette County, but not a part of Lexington. Mary was a devoted educator, and her involvement in the State Association of Colored Teachers allowed her to contribute to her profession in both an administrative way and by sharing practical knowledge through her conference presentations. Many of the speeches that Mary presented at teachers' conferences emphasized her commitment to political activism, civil rights, and women's rights, and some of those speeches appeared in print as early as 1877. In addition to the publication of her speeches, Mary contributed essays and articles to newspapers such as the Cincinnati Commercial, the African-American-owned Cleveland Gazette, the Quran in Louisville, and the Indianapolis World, another African-American-owned publication. She also wrote a column for women in the Lexington Herald under the pen name M.E.B. Unfortunately for history, those columns have yet to be identified. One of Mary Britton's most impactful speeches was delivered at a teacher's conference in Danville, Kentucky in 1887. In the speech, entitled Woman's Suffrage, a Potent Agency in Public Reforms, Britton is emphatic about her support for women's rights and reflects on and rejects her, as she said, old ignorant prejudices of advocating for human rights at the expense of women's rights. This provocative speech was well-received by her colleagues and went on to be reprinted in the American Catholic Tribune, an African-American-owned newspaper that ran out of Cincinnati and then Detroit in the late 19th century. Although this speech was given over 130 years ago, its content and spirit resonate today. In her speech, Mary called attention to woman's subordinate class throughout history and acknowledged that although the woman's sphere had become wider than just the home, women receive less wages than a man for the same amount and quality of work simply because she is a woman. The speech also highlighted Mary's dedication to the temperance movement and her religious convictions. By quoting biblical passages and drawing on stories of Jesus' life that focused on his equal treatment of men and women, Britain imbued her speech with a moral weight. With this speech, Mary strengthened her status as a suffragist and a public voice for equality. In the years following her 1887 speech, Mary continued to teach in Lexington and author articles and essays. It was in 1892, when the separate coach bill came to the desks of Kentucky state legislatures, that Mary Britton took her activism to Frankfurt. The separate coach law was one of the first major legal steps in Kentucky toward Jim Crow segregation. Prompted in part by an incidence of gun violence between a black man and a white man that left a white woman injured, the separate coach bill required railroad companies to provide separate coaches of equal quality for black and white passengers. This movement towards separate but equal public transportation frustrated, alienated, and angered middle-class Black Kentuckians. Many leaders in the African-American community spoke out against the separate coach bill, and among those who dissented, Mary Britton stood out as a passionate voice of wisdom, justness, and moral authority. On April 15th of 1892, Mary Britton addressed the Railroad Committee of the Kentucky General Assembly. In her protest speech, Britain questioned the integrity of the separate coach bill and denounced race-based legislation in general as unjust and un-American. 
She suggested the separate coach bill would place a stigma upon African Americans and called it an assassination of Afro-American manhood and citizenship. Mary used this speech to advocate for the African American community in Lexington and was able to articulate the disillusionment felt by Black people that was brought on by this legislation. People who, in less than 30 years since the end of slavery, had become professionals and property owners. In her speech, Britton asserted that it was not just African Americans who opposed this bill. It was, in her words, all friends to human rights and liberty. Four years before Plessy v. Ferguson and the Separate but Equal Doctrine became federal law, Mary Britton was arguing against the policy in the state legislature. This speech is another example of the power and insight of her writing and the eloquence with which she presented her opinions. Due to popular demand by both Black and white citizens, Mary Britton's speech was printed in full four days later on April 19th in the Lexington Leader newspaper under the title, A Woman's Appeal, to members of the Kentucky General Assembly. Regrettably, the separate coach bill was passed into law that May, but Mary Britton's support for her community continued. In honor of her historic advocacy for the African-American community in Kentucky, the famous African-American poet, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, wrote the poem, To Miss Mary Britton, which was featured in his first book of poetry, Oak and Ivy, published in 1893, with lines like, Give us to lead our cause, more noble souls like hers, the memory of whose deed each feeling bosom stirs, whose fearless voice and strong rose to defend her race, roused justice from her sleep, drove prejudice from place. The importance of Mary Britton's activism and voice to Black America was unmistakable. The same year Britton spoke in front of the Kentucky General Assembly, in fact the very same month, she and 19 other well-established African-American women from the Lexington community came together as the Ladies' Orphans Home Society. The purpose of this society was to establish a home for orphaned African-American children and elderly African-American women in Lexington. The need for this type of institution arose due to social problems that had developed in the community because of a lack of social services for African-Americans after emancipation. The Colored Orphan Industrial Home opened on Georgetown Street in 1894 and ceased operations in 1988. The home was illustrative of the kinds of support systems African-American women created for their communities around the United States during the Progressive Era in the spirit of social uplift. Located at the building now named the Robert H. Williams Cultural Center, the Colored Orphan Industrial Home provided basic education and training in industries such as shoemaking, blacksmithing, cooking, and sewing. The Colored Orphan Industrial Home served as a physical manifestation of the ways Mary Britton used her gifts and her privileges to improve the lives of African Americans in Kentucky during the Progressive Era. Mary's activism on behalf of the African American community in Kentucky continued at the World's Columbia Exposition in 1893. The Chicago World's Fair was a celebration of the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus discovering the New World, and it was attended by over 27 million people during its six months in operation. White City, as the fair was called due to its stark whitewashed architecture, was a fairly segregated event. African Americans were denied leadership opportunities on planning committees, there were few job prospects at the fair for African Americans, and the representation of African Americans in the exhibits was minimal and generally stereotypical. 
This exclusion was decried by prominent Black activists of the time like Frederick Douglass and Ida B. Wells, but there was no consensus within the African-American community about how to rectify the situation. For Mary Britton, however, the solution was nonviolent direct action. While at the fair, Mary attempted to enter the Kentucky building. A journalist for the Indianapolis Freeman was present for the action and wrote of the humiliation, indignation, and other strains she experienced as a result of being refused entry. When asked if she thought her treatment at the Kentucky building would be any different than her treatment at home, Mary simply said she had wanted to see. While Mary's encounter with discrimination is the only documented case from the 1893 World's Fair, it is unlikely that the humiliation and indignation she experienced was an isolated incident. This episode further reinforces how committed Mary Britton was to equality and civil rights that she would put herself in a situation that was at the very least embarrassing and could have potentially become dangerous for her. Soon after Mary's visit to White City in Chicago, she converted to Seventh-day Adventism. Established in 1863 in Battle Creek, Michigan, the Seventh-day Adventist Church evolved out of the Protestant religious movements that developed from the late 18th century to the mid-19th century in the United States during what is called the Second Great Awakening. Formerly a devout Episcopalian, Mary embraced the Adventist beliefs, the most well-known of which are the observation of the Sabbath from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset and the adherence to a vegetarian diet. Mary Britton's conversion to Seventh-day Adventism had a profound effect on her professional career. In an 1894 article in the Lexington Leader about African-American Seventh-day Adventist converts in town, Mary Britton is described as a teacher in the city schools who has so far gone over to the new ideas that she intends giving up her position in the city schools and will go to Battle Creek, Michigan to study. Three years later, in 1897, Mary Britton resigned from her position as a teacher in Lexington to attend medical school at the American Medical Missionary College in Battle Creek, Michigan. The American Medical Missionary College was affiliated with the Battle Creek Sanitarium, a health resort based around Seventh-day Adventist health and wellness philosophies. A co-educational and interracial institution, the curriculum at the American Medical Missionary College focused on holistic and alternative medical practices, such as hydrotherapy, thermotherapy, and dietetics. After a five-year course of study in both Battle Creek and at the school's Chicago campus, Mary Britton completed her medical education with a specialization in hydrotherapy and electrotherapy. In August of 1902, nearly five years to the day of her public resignation from her teaching position, Mary secured a license to practice medicine in Lexington. In 1902, Mary Ellen Britton became the first African-American female doctor in Kentucky. Mary undoubtedly encountered challenges as Kentucky's only female African-American doctor. Nevertheless, she became an integral part of the medical community in the bluegrass joining the local Bluegrass Medical Society of Lexington, the State Kentucky Medical Association of Colored Physicians, Dentists, and Pharmacists, and serving as a representative for Kentucky as the state vice president for the National Medical Association of Negro Physicians, Dentists, and Pharmacists. Just as she had done during her teaching career, Mary became deeply involved in her professional community. Service to her community is a theme thread throughout Mary Britton's life. As a physician, Mary practiced out of her home at 545 North Limestone until her retirement in 1923, a house that she had built and which still stands 
In 2018, the city of Lexington erected an interpretive sign in front of the home, briefly detailing her accomplishments and historical significance. Although Mary Britton never married or had children, her passion for public service extended to support for working mothers. A 1905 article in the Lexington Leader, written by Britton, announced the creation of a woman's club with the express purpose of opening a day nursery, where small children can be properly housed and fed and be trained in habits of order and cleanliness. Throughout the years, this woman's improvement club focused on the self-improvement of African-American women and was, as Mary Britton wrote, of service in the community, assisting to ameliorate the condition of the unfortunate. As an influential member of the Lexington African-American community during the Progressive Era, Mary used her social standing to be a champion for the betterment of her race. However, her good intentions were not always popular and did not always have positive consequences. Britton found herself embroiled in a bit of a scandal in 1911 when she charged Professor G.P. Russell, who was the principal of Russell School and the superintendent of the Lexington Colored School System, with delinquent leadership. For decades, G.P. Russell taught in and led the colored school system in Lexington. Yet, a lot of people in the African-American community were uncertain where his political loyalties lay because of his administrative style. Numerous teachers over the years had contentious professional relationships with Russell, Mary included. In a 1912 article in the Lexington Leader, Mary indicated that she was punished by Russell for speaking her mind by removal from my grade and a reduction in salary of $10 per month. She went on to say, I resigned rather than continue to appeal to the board for protection. While Mary's charge of delinquent leadership was seemingly in good faith when she wrote, I use my influence for the protection of teachers who may not be as successful in protecting themselves as I was at that time. It did not go over well with Professor G.P. Russell. Because of Mary Britton's outspoken objections to his leadership, Professor Russell sued her for libel, requesting $11,000 in damages, which is equivalent to $300,000 in today's money. A Lexington Leader article written at the time about the case, which detailed Professor Russell's petition, suggested that the defamation suit was filed for the purpose of bringing to an issue complaints made by his opponents for years past and vindicating himself of charges of a particularly personal character, rather than with actually securing damages from Dr. Britton. Though Mary did respond to the suit in 1913, asserting that she believed her accusations to be true and that she was discharging a public duty as a citizen of Lexington by writing and publishing the letters against Professor Russell's leadership, we don't know how the suit was settled. Despite the legal dispute with Professor G.P. Russell, Mary Britton continued to be a highly respected member of the Lexington community, both Black and white. Until her death in 1925, she committed herself to the community through her work with the Women's Improvement Club, through her medical practice and her participation in professional organizations, through her support of the Colored Orphan Industrial Home, and through her advocacy for African Americans, women, children, and education. She was buried in Greenwood Cemetery, which is now known as Cove Haven Cemetery, the African American cemetery behind Lexington Cemetery. Dr. Mary Ellen Britton forged her own path at a time when roles for women and African Americans were highly proscriptive. She was able to create a life that was of service to others and defied traditional roles for women while living and acting in accordance with her religious beliefs. She was a woman not defined by her husband or her family and instead created a name for herself through her good works, her passionate advocacy, and her professional accomplishments. She is a woman to whom all should admire for her integrity, 
her determination, and her communal spirit. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Kentucky Room, a podcast brought to you by the Central Library's Kentucky Room staff at the Lexington Public Library. If you enjoyed listening, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you have any questions about local history or genealogy research, you can visit us in the Kentucky Room to use our collection and newspaper microfilm, or you can email us at elibrarian at lexpublib.org. That's elibrarian at L-E-X-P-U-B-L-I-B dot org. I'm Miriam, and we'll be back with another trip down Lexington's memory lane. <laughs>